Well, today I want to talk about Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about giving thanks, the importance of giving thanks, and what that means. Why is it important that we give thanks? Why does that matter? Now, Thanksgiving is a holiday coming up that has its roots uh, in Christianity and has its roots in God and being thankful for God. For me, for me, Thanksgiving is a little bit more personal than probably for most. And, and the reason that that is, is in 1620, there was this ship that crossed the Atlantic. Who knows what that ship was, 1620? The Bodie. The Mayflower, right? The Mayflower came over, and in 1620, there was a name of a guy on the Mayflower named Degree Priest. And Degree Priest was a hatter. He made hats. And Degree Priest was on the Mayflower. And so, in some ways, Thanksgiving has more of a kind of a personal meaning for me, knowing that my lineage follows back through the Mayflower and through the first Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, Degree would pass away in the first winter. He passed away on January 1st. But he left his wife and his children back in England, and they would come over in 1623 on a ship called the Anne. And so the priest family came over then. And so in some ways, Thanksgiving has a personal meaning for me. It's a holiday that it was, I look back, I'm like, holy cow, are you serious? And I remember, you know, one of the things that my dad's two sisters gave me when we got married, he gave it to Lynn and I, was a book. And it traces our family's genealogy going back way hundreds and hundreds of years back. And so it was, it's a pretty cool gift. And occasionally, every once in a blue moon, they'll give us a piece to update the book. And it sits sealed up in our hope chest, in our closet. And something that I hope to be able to pass down to our boys someday. And so... It kind of has a special meaning, but as I started thinking about Thanksgiving and thinking about what it means probably for my great-great ancestor, Degree, and his wife, Mary, where did it start? Where, did it, where does it come from? What, what does it mean, Thanksgiving? Well, Thanksgiving actually began, for those of you that are into history, you'll like the first part of this sermon, but if you're not into history, just hang tight for a little bit. Thanksgiving actually started in the 1530s. In the 1530s, it comes from a phrase that they used. It's not a phrase that we're not familiar with currently. The phrase is giving thanks. And so like any generation, they want to shorten it, right? So I don't want to say the word baby. I'll say bay. She's my bay. She's my bay right there. So they said giving of thanks. They shortened it to Thanksgiving. I guess that's shorter, right? So they shortened it to Thanksgiving. And when they shortened it, it didn't lose its meaning. So in the 1630s, 100 years later, Thanksgiving then became a feast. It took it about 100 years, but it, it then incorporated and be, it became a feast. And everybody would pitch in, all the family members, and you'd bring your friends, and you'd, you'd pitch in, and you'd have a, you'd have a feast, right? And... 
then it kind of became a thing, legit thing, in 1621, where people were like, okay, this is now going to be a holiday. This is going to be something that we do and that we celebrate. And so actually, what does it mean? What does giving of thanks or thanksgiving, what does it mean? Well, it actually means a public celebration acknowledging divine favor. It's a public celebration to acknowledge divine favor. It's your family's way and your friend's way of all of you coming together and going, man, God has been good to us. We should give thanks. We should be thankful. Right? We need to be giving thanks and be, and, and be thankful. It's acknowledging God's favor on your family. Now, I don't know about you, but I can look back over my life and go, God's been, God's blessed me with favor. And I don't mean getting God's favor when I go to the store and there's a front parking spot. And I say, oh, thank you, God, for favor. Now, I know some of you might argue with me on that, um, but that'll just have to be a theological difference that we agree to disagree on, right? God's favor and providing opportunities to work, God's favor and providing opportunities to be part of families that are blessed or to have friends that are a blessing. It is the time for us to sit back and say, okay, despite all that I've been through and all that's going on, God has truly shown favor on me. And whether my spread on my table has a bunch and bunch and bunch of food or my spread on my table has a little, God has provided and no matter where you're at in life, and regardless of your income, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your ethnicity, God does not play favorites, and he blesses us. Our job is to simply give him favor. And we've been talking about generosity, and so this is kind of a one-off from that. To now say, God, I have gratitude, and I'm thankful for what you've done for me. That's why we celebrated this morning in our, in our worship and in our song and in our music, to say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. And in the Bible, there's a story that we're going to read about. And it's a story of gratitude and thanksgiving. It's a story of, of somebody saying, I'm going to do what's right because I realize God's favor is upon me. The story is King David in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, to give you a little bit of backstory, Saul is now dead. Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul did not lead properly, and so God said, I will find me a man after my own heart to take over the throne in Israel. And so God finds David. But through a series of events, David becomes king. But Saul had a son named Jonathan. And David and Jonathan became like besties. They became tight. There's David, there's Jonathan. There's Jonathan, there's David. I mean, the two guys just, they were, you know... Nowadays, you'd say it was a bromance, right? You'd call it a bromance nowadays. I mean, they were tight. And something happened in battle that Saul was killed in battle, and Jonathan, his son, was killed in battle. But prior to that, David had told Jonathan, he said, listen, when I become king, I will not do what is customary for every new king. I will not kill all the family members of Saul. It was customary that when you became king, you wiped out the previous king's family. You, you had them all slaughtered. Why? So that nobody could come back to claim the throne. And now it was your throne. So Jonathan and David 
made a covenant, which is something stronger than a promise. It was a covenant. A covenant basically says that if I don't keep up my end of the bargain, I invite these witnesses to do away with my life. It was stronger than a promise. It was a covenant. And the Bible talks about covenants all the time. The covenant simply says that if I don't keep my end of the bargain, I will die. And so Jonathan and David made a covenant. And David said, Jonathan, when I become king, I will not kill you. I will not kill your children. But I will watch over them. Well, David now has become king. And Jonathan is dead. Saul is dead. And David turns to his helpers as king. And he says, is there anybody left of Jonathan's family? And the helper says, well, yes, there is this guy named Mephibosheth. Believe me, I practiced that before I got up here. Okay. There's this guy named Mephibosheth. Now, he's unheard of because he's poor. He's crippled below the waist, so his legs don't work. But he's way off in this part of the country. And David said, all right, round up my horses, round up my chefs. Round up everybody. We're going to go see Mephibosheth. And so the story picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to start in verse 6. And we're just going to read through verse 13. So it's not going to be up on the screen. But I want you just to listen. And I want you to use your imagination a little bit. And just kind of picture what's happening. In 2 Samuel chapter 9. It says, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you the kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Because Mephibosheth knew, (laughs) oh no, the king's here. He's found me. And that's why he wouldn't bow down, because he knew his life was over. His life was done. Because David had the right to kill him because of his lineage. And David said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. In fact, what I'm going to do is give you everything that was your dad's. And I'm going to give you everything that was your grandfather's. So let's go on. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, You, your servant, will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. David said, Mephibosheth, I'm giving you back all of the land and all of the money that was your grandfather, King Saul. I'm giving it all back to you because when your dad and I were painting the town and running around like hoodlums, right? Okay, I'm just like throwing that in there. That's not really what the Bible says. But when they were running around 
as kids and as teenagers and college age and whatever, they were running around and doing all of these things. You see, Mephibosheth, I made a, I made a covenant with your dad that I would protect his lineage and I would protect his children. And so because of that, everything that was taken away from you, I'm giving it back because I am thankful. Because here's part of the backstory that I didn't tell you. Saul, Jonathan's dad, wanted to kill David and attempted to kill David many times. But Jonathan, who was best friends with David, Jonathan, whose dad was King Saul, protected David from his own dad watched over David, spared his life multiple times. And David said, I'm forever in your debt. I will make sure that your family continues to live on. And here's my first point this morning, that thanksgiving, giving thanks, has to be directed towards something. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm thankful. But unless you tell the person or the individual or the being that you're thankful and grateful What good is it? It's like holding on to a gift but never giving it. It's like telling your kids, I got you a bunch of Christmas presents, boy. Christmas morning shows up and there's nothing under the tree. If I have gratitude and I'm thankful but I just hold on to it, it's like I got a present for you, but I love you. Is that good enough? I I bought you presents. See, sometimes, sometimes it's not the thought that counts. Sometimes it's just not the thought that counts. Sometimes it's actually giving the gift. And so if I have thanksgiving in my heart and I have gratitude towards God in my heart, what do I want to do? I want to tell God, you have to direct your thanks towards something. Thankfulness is like your car. When you got in your car this morning, did you just turn it on and then hit the accelerator? Probably not. You put your hands on the steering wheel and you guided it. Thanksgiving is the same way. And so David says, I have thankfulness in my heart and gratitude in my heart for your father, Mephibosheth. And I need to guide that thankfulness and and, and show that person gratitude. And so since your father's not here for me to do it, I'm going to give it to you. And so here's all of your grandfather's land. And here is all of the money that your grandfather had. And here's everything. And I want your servants because you're crippled and you can't go out and work in the field. I want all of your servants to start farming this land for you. And by the way, you're coming to my house and you're going to eat like one of my sons in the palace. Wow. Not only am I going to spare your life and give you back everything, but I'm going to move you in with me and you're going to live like royalty. That's gratitude. That's thankfulness. That's directed towards the guy that should have been killed. And so gratitude and thankfulness have to have a direction to flow. Held on to, it's no good. It is no gratitude or no thankfulness at all. In fact, George Washington, I love this. This is one of my favorite, favorite events in all of history because I think it speaks to the founding of our country and the attitude of our founding fathers. On October 3rd, 1789, George Washington, then the president of the United States, was called upon by Congress. And Congress says, our country, now just, man, times have changed. Congress calls on the president and says, our divine creator has blessed us abundantly. We want you to proclaim to the people a day of giving thanks. 
when was the last time Congress called, whether I agreed with you on political issues or not, called on the president to go, I know we have our disagreements, but in the end, we are all blessed, and we need to acknowledge our creator. And so I want to read to you a portion of what George Washington proclaimed to the citizens of the United States as he was asked to by Congress. Listen to this. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, to be next to be devoted to the people of these United States to the service of that great and glorious being who is a benef beneficent author of all good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks. And he goes on in the rest of his statement and document talking about the benefits of God and the benefits of the Almighty and why we should be giving thanks on Thanksgiving. That it should be a national day of not just giving thanks, but a national day of prayer. To let God know how thankful we are for his blessings. And so what did we do as a nation right at the outset? We said, thank you, God. We directed our giving thanks. One of the things that's funny is that this morning as I was talking with Lynn, I said, I, I'm noticing a trend that we say we're grateful. I'm grateful for my siblings. I'm grateful for my family. And we tell people what we are grateful for, but we, know, we never tell anybody who we're directing it towards. It's one thing to be thankful. It's another thing to never direct it towards anybody. I'm thankful for my family because... God. I'm thankful for my job because God. God has provided all of this. Yes, I have down days. Yes, I have up days. Yes, there's ups and downs in life. But in the end, God. I direct my gratitude towards God. But I'm noticing a trend that we just say what we're thankful for and we don't really direct it towards anybody or anything. And she's, she's like, you know what? I have thought the same thing. And so for us here at the river, I don't want us just to be grateful. But like George Washington said, I want us to direct our thanksgiving towards our creator. That he called upon our nation to give thanks to our God. Does that make sense? What good is it if I have gratitude and I don't direct it towards anything? Also, Thankfulness reinforces value. Thankfulness and giving thanks reinforces what you value. In our story in, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Mephibosheth says, I don't have a penny to my name. I'm crippled. I can't work. I can't do anything. I don't have value. This is what he's telling King David. He also knows he's about to be beheaded, or at least he thinks he is. 
He says, I, I don't have anything. I'm worthless. I, I'm not of any value. I don't matter in life. I don't matter in life because I'm crippled. I don't matter in life because I'm depressed. I don't matter in life because. I don't matter in life because I'm special just like everybody else. I, I don't matter. And David goes, oh, buddy, you have no idea how grateful I am for you, for your dad, for your family. And he goes, thank you. And he directs his thanksgiving. And so what do you think, that, what do you think it does to Mephibosheth's self-esteem when he realizes he's eating with the king every day of the rest of his life? When the king goes, nope, here's all the land your grandfather had. Here's all the money your father had. What do you think that does to his self-esteem? At first, he probably wrestles with it. Like most of us, when somebody tells us, thank you, I really appreciate that, what do we, what do, we do? Most of us go, well, it's no big deal. And we try to blow it off. No. You need, to, you need to accept that. One of the things that we talked about last week is that when, when we give generously, generosity removes pride from the person receiving it, and it removes pride from the person giving it. When somebody tries to help us, what do we say? No, 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 I got this. I can do this on my own. That's pride. And something else, I'm going to tell you something else that I should have said last week, but I'm going to say it this week. When somebody tries to bless you, take it. You know why? Because the Bible says it's sowing and reaping. And if you don't take it, you rob them of their blessing. Don't rob somebody of their blessing. When they give you something, take it and say thank you and be appreciative because God's going to bless them for giving that to you. When you push back on them and say, no, 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 I don't want that, you're robbing them of a blessing. I don't ever want to rob anybody of a blessing. That was kind of a joke, okay? But it's true. It's true. And so when I'm thankful for somebody or I tell them thank you or I show them appreciation, it means I value you. You have importance. When we direct our thanksgiving to God, what we're saying is, is I value God. I value his favor. I value his blessing. And as a result, what's that do? That reinforces in my psyche, it reinforces the importance of God. And it re reinforces the importance of God to my children and to my family and to my friends that come over for Thanksgiving. One of the things that Lynn did this year is on Halloween, she created, I'm guessing this was a Pinterest idea. I don't know where she got this. But on Halloween, she got a pumpkin. And she said, this is our gratitude pumpkin or our Thanksgiving pumpkin or our praise pumpkin or whatever you want to call it. And she goes, and what we're going to do every night around the dinner table is we're going to pass this pumpkin around the dinner table. She got a Sharpie and goes, we're going to write one thing down that we're thankful for, right? And so she started passing this around. I want to read to you some of the things that are on this that my family is for. And I'm going to read all of this. But we start off being thankful for things like our sons, our clothes. I'm really thankful for that. Um, one of my, uh, toilet paper. Somebody wrote that they're thankful for toilet paper. I'm very thankful for that. Um, somebody is thankful for McDonald's. I'm not sure who wrote that. Um, one of my favorites on here, there's friends, mammal, papaw, water, people. Somebody's thankful for football. I can probably guarantee you who wrote that. Um, Access to food. Somebody's thankful for farmers. <laughs> okay. I don't. Which one of you three wrote a brain? 
probably the same kid that wrote football. Okay. Now, my oldest, I love, this is my favorite on the entire pumpkin. Are you ready? This is my favorite on the entire pumpkin. He is thankful for Amerigo Vespucci. Who knows who Amerigo Vespucci is? The history teacher does. Good job. Amerigo Vespucci named the Americas. America is named after Amerigo. And he is thankful that Amerigo, and I don't know the history behind that. Perhaps Josh can tell me later, or I'm sure my son can. Um, so he is thankful for America Vespucci. And so what the, oh, my wife, my wife wrote, she's thankful for my pastor and put a heart. Aww. Okay, anyway. Right? What this does, now this sits by the door. This sits by the door because as we leave out of the garage, it sits, as we head that direction, it sits right there. And every morning when we leave, we're reinforcing the value of the things that we're grateful for. We're reinforcing value. When you're grateful, you reinforce value. Do you think that David was reinforcing Mephibosheth's value and increasing his self-esteem? You bet he was. When you tell somebody you're grateful for them, you're thankful for them, it boosts their self-esteem. It encourages them. Don't you like to be told thank you and that you're appreciated? Don't you? Don't nobody shake your head no. Right? We like that. That reinforce, makes us feel good, and there's nothing wrong with that. It reinforces our value. When we tell God, God, thank you for your blessings. When we get around the dinner table at Thanksgiving and we thank him, we're reinforcing the value that he matters to us and we're telling our family that he matters to us. And so we have this in our, in our house and I'm so grateful for my, for my wife who, who did this and it's just, it's just amazing, amazing. Um, as I sit around and I look, I look at this and the idea is then when, by the time Thanksgiving gets here, this pumpkin is filled up so we got some work to do. And then at Thanksgiving, we read all the way around the pumpkin the things that we're grateful for. Now, I'm sure that's going to generate some eye rolls for my kids, uh, but they'll just have to sit through it. Because we realize what God has blessed us with. And so from Halloween to Thanksgiving, this is like our first year of doing this, but I love it. And I think we're going to do it again, right? Yeah. Right? The things that we're grateful for. The third thing that when we give thanks is we have to understand that thankfulness thankfulness perpetuates. It keeps going. It doesn't stop, right? In 2 Samuel 9, 9 through 10, David says, I have given your master's grandson, talking to Mephibosheth's servant, I have given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. What's he doing? Well, that's reverberating throughout the servants, throughout the house. Now these people who are ser servants, now they have actual jobs because Mephibosheth had nothing. They were just being loyal to him because of, because of his heritage. But now they have jobs and employment. They have purpose. There are things that they can do. Gratitude perpetuates. It reverberates throughout. It continues to go on and on and on. Let me give you 
kind of, if I can, underneath this point, give you three other points as a part of this, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with the story. Thankfulness attracts people. We like to be around people who are appreciative of our work. We want to be around people who appreciate us and are thankful for us. So what happens when you become a, pers- a person of appreciation and thanksgiving? What happens is that people begin to want to be around you. What happens with that? Your network begins to grow. And if you're in business and have your own business, you need to listen up because these are business principles. As your network grows, the possibilities grow. And what happens is that people want to be around you because you lift and encourage their self-esteem. Do you tell, if you own a business, do you tell, not clients, your people? Let's not, let's not make this clients. That's a little cold. Do you tell your people that you appreciate them to grow? I appreciate you doing business with us. You mean a lot to me. Do you, do you tell them that? Do you tell your coworkers that? Because that grows your network, and as your network grows, your possibilities grow. And as that begins to happen, you increase other self-esteem. Your business grows. You grow as a person. You grow them. Let me tell you a story that I think is true when we, when we think about Thanksgiving. Long time ago, several, several years ago, Atlantic cod was like the food of choice. People were craving Atlantic cod. And they just, man, couldn't get enough of it. Well, it grew obviously on the East Coast with the Atlantic being there. And as people began to crave it, people in the Midwest heard about it, and so they wanted to try it, and so they got the Atlantic cod to the Midwest. And Something happened, though, as it began to spread west, people west of the Midwest, places like Texas and Oklahoma and Arizona, New Mexico, California, Oregon, the cod that they got didn't taste the same. The texture was off. The flavor was gone. What were they doing? Well, they were taking the cod, putting them on ice, putting them on train cars, and then sending them across the country in these box cars full of ice. But the cod were dead. And so the flavor, the texture of the meat, everything changed. And so they finally got wise and said, okay, well, we need to figure this out. Obviously, this is before planes, right? They said, we got to figure something out. I know what we'll do. We'll create a boxcar that's a, basically a saltwater aquarium so that when they arrive in Dallas and they arri- arrive in L.A., the cod are alive. They're fresh. So they do that. But again, the cod, the flavor wasn't the same. The texture wasn't the same. And they were in their own saltwater boxcars alive when they arrived in L.A. or Dallas or or wherever the train was going. And they couldn't figure out why they're alive. They're not dead anymore. The texture, everything should be the same. What's going on? And the sales began to go, and the people out west were like, what are you guys talking about, North Atlantic cod? This is ridiculous. This is horrible fish. And then it dawned on somebody. Wait a minute. What if... We took saltwater catfish, 
who are natural predators of the Atlantic cod and put them in the aquarium on the train, on the boxcar, and shipped them out with their predator in the aquarium with them. Now, we're not going to load it up with saltwater catfish because there won't be any cod by the time they get there. But we'll put a couple of saltwater catfish in these saltwater aquarium boxcars. And lo and behold, the cod's meat stayed the same. The flavor was the same as if you had just gotten it out of the Atlantic. Why? Because the cod had to outswim the catfish, and it kept, it kept the muscle and the meat fresh, just like it was in the Atlantic. Oh, yeah, sure, they lost some cod along the way, but now the West Coast was enjoying the cod. And here's what I want to tell you. A mature Christian thanks God when there is no catfish in the boxcar, and a mature Christian thanks God for the catfish in the boxcar, because if it wasn't for the catfish, you wouldn't have to rely on God nearly as much. And so I thank God that I have some catfish sometimes in my life that I have to outrun, I have to outthink, that make me work a little harder because they keep me on my toes, right? Sometimes I need to, on Thanksgiving, say, God, you know that time back in my life where that just really stunk and I hated it and it was horrible? You know what? Thank you for that catfish in my life because it kept me on my toes. We should thank God not just for the good times and not just for the family. We ought to thank God for the bad times in our lives that cause us to examine ourselves to make us stronger and to make us better because a real Christian realizes that catfish is in my aquarium for a reason. I don't understand it, and it might eat me, but I'm guessing it won't because God allowed it in my aquarium. But this morning, I want to challenge you that when Thanksgiving comes this year, direct that thankfulness and direct Direct that gratitude towards God. And then that just reverberates and reinforces everything that the people around you see in you. Let them know that you're thankful for them and that 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 adds value and self-esteem to their life. And as you go and leave Thanksgiving and head into Christmas and January and February and for the rest of your life... Work to become a person that is appreciative of others. It will grow your network, increase your possibilities. And thank God for the catfish in your aquarium to keep you on your toes and to keep you fresh. Let's stand up this morning. Let's pray. I know God has some amazing things in store for your life. I know God wants to do some things in your life that only he can do. But we have to be like George Washington in Congress, I know that sounds funny in today's culture to say that, to realize that even though I'm arguing over here on the side and we have all these differences and all these problems, at the end of the day, we're blessed and we need to pick a day and not just a day, every day we should be telling God we're appreciative and we're thankful for what's in our life and the things that happen in our life. And so as we close out this morning, I'm going to pray over all of us here today. And we're going to close out with just a couple of of lines from a song. But I'm going to pray and give God thanks for the blessing in my life and in your life and in our church's life. And would you just agree with me? And maybe if you just want to whisper a prayer under your breath as I'm praying to let him know that you are thankful for him.
Would you do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessing on us. I thank you that you have given us favor in so many ways. Lord, there's not a person in this room that doesn't have something they can be thankful for. And so, Lord, I ask that as we give you thanks this week, might we look back over the history of our lives and be thankful but may we look to the future with anticipation of more opportunities to be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.